everyone, welcome to this episode of Confessions of a Personal Trainer. Today, I wanna to talk about all things nutrition. I haven't really done a full nutrition episode yet. I think I've touched on it in, in um, some episodes, but today is gonna to be purely nutrition-based, and as of this year, I can now legally, ethically, morally, share nutrition information as I completed a nutrition course. So, I'm excited for this episode. So I think nutrition is an area that is often overlooked and it's weird because it's a massive contribution to health. It is also the hardest bit because personally I think anybody could go to the gym and put themselves through an hour session let's say but the hardest part is managing food intake for the next 23 hours of the day. So in this episode I'm going to go through a nutrition breakdown so what exactly are proteins, carbs and fats and why do we need them? And then I'm going to look at some common nutrition myths and then just some general advice for nutrition. I want to keep this really simple because there's so much information on nutrition and what you should do or shouldn't do or what you could do that it's so confusing. And I think that is where so many people will go wrong with their health or fitness journeys because there's so much information and sometimes you just don't know what to do or what not to do so I'm going to keep it simple and this is something I will always say to clients is just bring it back to the basics so don't overcomplicate it which is what we tend to do so we all do it we overcomplicate the smallest of tasks so today is all about keeping it simple I'm going to speak to you as though I'm speaking to a child because I find that it's the best way to get information across and for people to understand it. There's no point in using fancy terminology that you don't understand and then you pretend to understand it but really you've got no idea. So I'm going to keep it really simple. Right, let's start with macronutrients which are fats, proteins and carbs. So fats, fats often get a bad name but we need fats for energy storage, insulation, maintenance of cells and organs and also for vitamin absorption. Fats tend to be high in calories which is often why they get a bad name but this doesn't mean that you can't eat them or that you shouldn't eat them it's just that if you are counting your calories and you have a high fat diet you will lose quite a big chunk of your calories to fat. So a gram of fat has nine calories which is more than twice as much as the other two so carbohydrates and protein have four calories per gram and fat has nine calories per gram so it just means that foods that are higher in fat will be higher in calories so overall if you are monitoring your calorie intake you would want a balance of fats carbs and protein you don't have to cut fat out it would just be that you'd have to be mindful of where you would include fat in your diet some examples of fats could be nuts and nut butters, cheese, oils and oily fish, eggs as well, although eggs are a protein, they're also quite high in fat. Again, not that you can't have these foods, it's just that if you are taking into consideration all of the food groups, then fat is the one where you would need to monitor the calorie intake. There are different types of fat as well, which I'm going to come to later on when I talk about myths, but again, that's just something to be aware of. 
Next one, protein. So protein is needed for lots of reasons, but one in particular is for muscle building and repair. So this is one that I would often advise my clients. Are you getting enough protein? Are you monitoring your protein intake? It's often the macro that is the hardest to hit as well. So it's, it's fairly easy for people to have a diet that consists of carbs and fats. And sometimes protein is where people will struggle the most. But it is also needed for a strong immune system, energy storage, and it helps to keep you fuller for longer. So it's quite useful for, if you are dieting, useful to keep your protein intake up because protein does take longer to digest. It's recommended to eat 0.8 grams of protein per kilo of body weight. But for anybody who trains, I usually suggest, or even if you don't train, I usually suggest more than that probably more towards the mark of 1.4 to 2 grams per kilo of body weight but this is different for everybody and it will depend on the person depend on their body and their goals but as a general guide i would recommend that protein is consumed with each meal so common protein sources are lean meat so chicken turkey breast things like that salmon tuna eggs although i did mention that eggs are also under fat as well and so would salmon be any oily fish but it is still a protein source yogurts beans pulses and grains some of them do overlap as well so you could have some protein sources that are also carb sources so pulses and grains yes they are a source of protein or they do contain protein but they're also a carb source as well there's quite a few things that are like that so some dairy things would be so eggs um some greek yogurt that you can get 0% fat greek yogurt but you can also get greek yogurt that contains fat but it would also be a protein source so some of them do overlap but it is important to have a bit of everything anyway okay carbs so carbs are ultimately sent to the liver or the muscles or used immediately as fuel they're often looked at as the main energy source but under normal daily activities both carbohydrates and fats will contribute to energy requirements. Carbs can be separated into two types, complex carbs and simple carbs. That would be slow releasing compared to fast acting. Also fiber is an interesting one. So fiber is considered under the, the carbs umbrella, but you could categorize them under a complex carb, like a slow releasing carb. So a simple carb would be sugary things like fruit or cakes and biscuits, but also foods like white bread or pasta anything that's a fast acting energy source and then slow release carbs would be or complex carbs would be the wholemeal or whole grain products vegetables pulses sweet potatoes so let's look at five common nutrition myths and i'm going to try and address the truth in them so number one which i've already kind of covered is that fats should be avoided or fats are bad and this isn't true. So like I've said, fats are high in calories. So the more foods you eat which contain fat, the more calories you'll be consuming overall. But like I said, this doesn't mean it's bad. Your body could gain fat from eating too many calories in general, whether that's too many calories from protein or too many carbs. It's not just fat. It would just be that if you're eating in a calorie surplus, if your body is consuming more energy than it needs to maintain its weight, you would gain fat. So that could be, you could have a, a fat-free diet and you eat too many calories, your body would still gain weight, you would gain weight. 
So I did say that I, I wouldn't suggest looking at fat as bad, but I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't get in the habit of labelling them good or bad. You could look at them as which sources of fat or which types of fat are most optimal. So for example, if you focused on some of your diet coming from omega-3, so this would be fish and other seafood and nuts and seeds, rather than trans fats, which would be things like takeaways or fried food. So if you wanted to categorise them into good and bad, then I guess omega-3 would be an example of a healthy type of fat, and then trans fats would be an example of a bad type of fat. But I believe it's all in moderation. So having a few days where your trans fat is slightly higher than it should be isn't really going to do a lot of damage. It's all about moderation. It's all about what you do most of the time rather than what you do some of the time. Another common myth would be that carbs make you gain weight. This is also not true. So eaten in the right quantities, and when I say the right quantities, if you are looking to lose weight, then you will need to be in a calorie deficit, as I've mentioned. And the only way weight gain would happen is through being in a calorie surplus. So your body needs the carbs and it won't, you won't gain weight from eating carbs. You would gain weight if you were over consuming carbs. But like I said, with the fat, you would gain weight if you were over consuming fat or if you're over consuming protein. This myth hasn't been around for a while, or maybe I just haven't seen it. Maybe it is still around. But there was a, my- a myth about not eating after a certain time. So not eating after 6pm or 7pm or whatever people say. Now, 100 calories of food at midday is still 100 calories at 9pm. So it's not true to assume that eating after a certain time is bad or it can lead to weight gain. I guess we would just need to look at the variables. So if you hadn't eaten all day and then you decide to eat late, you might be likely or more likely to overeat in an evening. So let's say if you've not eaten in the day and then you get home and you're suddenly super hungry, if your body hasn't had all of its desired nutrients that day, you might overeat. So that might lead to weight gain if you were consistently doing that. If you ate late, then you might weigh heavier the next day. It doesn't necessarily mean your body's gained fat. You might just be weighing heavier on the scales. Your body might still have extra food inside of you. You might be retaining water. So that doesn't necessarily mean you're gaining weight. You might get indigestion if you try to sleep too soon after eating. So that might not be great to eat late at night. But ultimately, it shouldn't affect fat loss. If you're in a calorie deficit, if if fat loss is the goal... And if you're in a calorie deficit and you are consistent with that deficit over a period of time, that is when the fat loss will happen. So whatever time you eat shouldn't have an impact. Some evenings I come home at 9pm and I'm really hungry. I might not have eaten a final meal yet or I had had dinner hours ago maybe and then I think, right, I need something before I go to bed. Sometimes I can eat half nine or ten and it, it it doesn't affect my progress. It might just be that the scale will change the next day or I might be a bit full but ultimately fat loss shouldn't be affected. Now this myth can be blamed, I don't want to blame anything but we can blame this one partly on my fitness pal. So so many people will ask me about you know the feature on my fitness pal that will tell you you've earned extra calories because you've you've done exercise. 
So then this now leads people to believe that they either need to burn burn off what they eat or they can eat additional calories because they've burned calories through exercise. And you have to be really careful with this. So successful weight loss involves making changes that you can stick to for a long time. So yes, you might have to be more physically active in your routine and you might need to change the way you're eating, but it shouldn't be to a point where it's really, really drastic. So to lose weight, you would need to burn more calories than you consume. And this can be achieved by eating less or moving more or best of all, a combination of both. But you don't need to be burning off the calories you consumed to lose weight. So I've gone through this in another episode, I think maybe two weeks ago. I can't remember what it was called. But I went through um, kind of how you would create, I think it is about calorie deficit and how you would create a calorie deficit and what that means. And it's it's not true to think that you need to burn off the calories consumed to lose weight. So your body will be burning calories all day just by staying alive. Any exercise you do, so if you if you burned 300 calories through exercise, that is additional to what your body is burning at rest. So calories burned through exercise is actually a very small percentage of your overall calories burned throughout the day. So it's not a case of having to burn 2,000 calories a day in order to be in a calorie deficit. You would probably need to be either, I would usually recommend one or the other through food or through exercise and perhaps not doing both to begin with. So I would usually say, I would encourage my clients to start off on minimal exercise and higher calories as possible. And it's usually a trial and error thing. If no weight loss happens after a couple of weeks, that's usually a sign to increase the calorie deficit by either dropping food slightly or increasing the activity. And that way it's a safe option to do that because you're not going straight in with five or six sessions a week and very low calories because all that is going to do is burn you out quicker. Final myth of today is that cutting out snacks can help you lose weight or that snacks are bad. Snacking isn't actually a problem and I don't encourage people to stop snacking. It's just, I guess it's the type of snack and being accountable for the snack. So if you're calorie counting, let's say you're using MyFitnessPal, you're tracking what you eat, do you track all of your snacks? Because this is where people do fall down. If you grab a biscuit when you're cooking dinner or a handful of nuts or whatever it is and you don't track it, these are the unaccounted calories that will matter because it's really easy for snacks to add up. So let's say if you had two chocolate biscuits and then a handful of nuts and maybe even like half a banana or whatever, you can easily increase your intake by about three or 400 calories that you're not even aware of. So in your mind, you've not had them, but in your body, you have. I guess it all comes down to overall consumption and being aware. So on Saturday, I was really, really hungry and I, I don't tend to snack much. I usually have usually three or four main meals and occasionally have fruit in between. Um, but with my job, I'm pretty much on the go. So I tend to be on on my feet most of the day and sometimes I'll have gone like three or four hours, won't have eaten. And for me, that's a long time. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to pass out if I don't eat. So I do have snacks when I'm, when I'm having busy days. Now on Saturday, 
I had a blueberry muffin in the morning as a snack, which probably isn't the best type of snack, but my body didn't know that it was a muffin. So I would label it in my head. I would think, oh, that's a muffin. I shouldn't have eaten that. I should have had some fruit or I should have had this or I could have got a protein bar. But I saw a blueberry muffin on the counter and I was like, yeah, I'm having it. But my body doesn't know what it is. So it will break down the nutrients. So it will, it will recognize that it is mostly carbs and fat. So there was very little protein in this muffin. And my body would just break down whatever the nutrients from that muffin were. It's usually worse in your mind. So you might say, oh, I've, I've eaten some chocolate and I shouldn't have eaten it. But your body won't know that you've eaten chocolate. It will just recognize the contents of that chocolate. So going back to my muffin, there was nothing wrong with it. Maybe I could have had a, a better choice of snack. I could have been more prepared and taken some snacks with me, but I wasn't prepared. And then I ate on the go and it was fine. I am calorie counted at the moment. So all it meant was that I had to just tweak food later on in the day. So I'd planned to have two bagels after I trained and I just had one bagel instead. And then overall my calories for the day were still the same. So I didn't miss out. It wasn't a complete disaster that I ate a muffin instead of a banana. In fact, the calories weren't, oh no, actually the muffin was probably higher calories. Banana was probably about 100 calories. I think this muffin was about 300. So calories, the calorie intake was higher, but I enjoyed it and I had a good session afterwards. So win-win. So I just want to look at types of diet and then maybe why they work or the reason behind them and why people are attracted to these diets um, but also the problems with them. So a common approach or a common method for weight loss is fasting. Now fasting won't actually help weight loss unless you're in a calorie deficit. That magic word, that's all we talk about calories. I could just do a whole podcast and just only mention calorie deficit and people are just like yeah yeah cool calorie deficit but it that is true that is the only way fat loss will happen so fasting all it does is shorten the window of calories consumed so if you wake up at 7 a.m and then you don't eat until 1 p.m your eating window goes from 1 p.m to bedtime rather than from when you first woke up to bedtime so that doesn't actually you could still overeat in that window, basically. So you could still eat too many calories, even if you are trying to fast. So fasting doesn't send a message to your body to say, great, we're fasting, let's lose weight. All it does is reduce the eating period or the, the window of which you would eat. It can be useful if you're not hungry when you first wake up and then you think, okay, I'll delay this. I mean, I wake up absolutely starving. I wake up and I'm like, I need to eat now. <laughs> I can fast and I have fasted before, but it's personal preference. Some days I do, if I'm really busy, if I wake up and I've got an early start and I'm busy until mid-morning, I can delay my breakfast and I don't need to eat, but I wouldn't actively choose to fast. I just, I do it if I need to. In fact, just speaking about fasting now, I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> probably all in my head some of the problems with fasting though you could be at risk of dehydration i suppose you can you could argue that you would drink more if you're not eating you could keep keep the water intake up but you're also going to be having a lack of essential nutrients so don't forget that a lot of our nutrients that we'll get will be from food 
So if you're not eating or you're delaying that window, you may not be getting all the essential nutrients that you need. You probably will. If you're going to eat later on and you're planning to eat a, a healthy, balanced diet throughout the day, you probably will. But maybe first thing in the morning, you might have lack of energy or lack of essential nutrients. So if you are planning to train fasted, you might just have to be aware that you would have less energy. So another popular diet method would be very low calories or things like meal replacements and bars. Sometimes it might only be 800 calories or 1000 calories a day and usually designed for very, very quick, rapid weight loss, which would probably work because if you are not giving your body the calories, then yes, you will you will lose weight very, very quickly, but then you're also likely to gain weight very quickly if you start eating. So it really is only a short-term approach. It's not healthy and it's not recommended. Then we've got calorie counting groups, so things like Slimming World or Weight Watchers, which actually, they get a lot of stick, but I actually think they can be very useful, especially for beginners, because it does provide provide some guidance of foods to eat and gives education on nutrition which I think is what a lot of people are lacking so I think it can be good for guidance and helping people get into a a good routine with with food I guess also it's quite a good accountability thing so quite often those things are in groups I don't know if they still are face-to-face now because of covid or if they're on online but the group environment it creates accountability and support and like a bit of a network so that can be quite good but again it could be a short-term fix and it can encourage yo-yo dieting and then we've got fat burning pills or any kind of diet pills that are quite popular or were quite popular years ago again I don't know if things like that are still around but diet pills work because well no they don't work (laughs) they don't work that's not me advising diet pills diet pills could be argued to work because they would create a thermogenic effect in the body so possibly might help towards weight loss because they could cause metabolic stimulation and therefore your body might burn more calories but you wouldn't burn an awful lot it wouldn't i don't think it would make that much difference and research suggests that it wouldn't make that much of a difference in your body however the media or marketing or um what's the phrase i'm looking diet culture society i don't know society let's go with society might lead us to believe that diet pills are more effective than what they actually are but if we take a look at caffeine for example which is the most evidence-based thermogenic supplement it increases metabolism through triggering the release of adrenaline, basically. So this, in turn, will increase your heart rate and possibly your metabolic output, which might result in burning more calories. But researchers found that for every milligram of caffeine consumed, it helps you burn an additional 0.1 calories in the next 24 hours. Now, the average coffee contains 40 milligram of caffeine, which would mean an additional four calories burned. So even if you took a caffeine supplement, like a pill, like a weight loss pill, 
you'd probably burn an additional 15 calories over the course of a day. So it's not worth it, is my professional verdict. Plus, you might get headaches or nausea, stomach aches, constipation. So for an extra 15 calories for the day, is it really worth it? You're going to burn 15 calories and you might shit yourself. So in my opinion, it really isn't worth it. So that means what is worth it? And I guess this is something I will always say is that it does depend on the person. But ultimately, it needs to be something that you can stick to, something that is healthy, something that is long term. So something that is going to be achievable for more than a month or two months, something that's going to make you feel good long term. So I guess you have to ask yourself, can I calorie count? for five six days a week for the next six months or for the next two years and calorie counting shouldn't be a long-term thing anyway i think it's a really good tool but the purpose of calorie calorie counting is to be able to provide you with the the knowledge and the experience to almost to be able to eyeball food and be like yeah this is what i need this is the portion i need this is the amount of protein that i need this is what's right for my body so i do think calorie counting is very useful as a short-term thing And it might be something that you come back to now and again. So I have periods where I don't calorie count at all. And then it's almost like a a guess of what my body needs. Or I start to listen to hunger cues. Or I think about how my body's feeling. And then I might then change it up. And then I go through periods of tracking food again. So currently I'm I'm counting calories again at the moment. And it's... um, it's just it's a good way to stay accountable it's a good way to be aware of what you're eating but you don't always have to be calorie counting so i guess my advice for for general exercise and nutrition would be to aim to stay within an energy balance so if the goal is fat loss you want to be thinking about creating a calorie deficit however you don't want to be always running on an empty tank so if you are someone who trains a lot someone who does do a lot of activity you don't always want to be in a calorie deficit you need to be regularly giving your body some energy and fueling the body in terms of nutrition we want to be thinking about smaller portions or sensible portions and not eating what's that saying you're eating eating with your belly eyes bigger than your belly that's something i always do or did i'm trying not to do that but portion control is a massive help. But also not just thinking about portion control, think about what is in that portion. So a balance of nutrients, thinking about carbs and fat and protein, thinking about your vegetables, fibre, vitamins, minerals, keeping water up and doing what feels good. So moving in a way that you enjoy and not overcomplicating things. So it shouldn't be complicated it should be fun, it should be realistic, and it should be achievable. So there we go, that was my nutrition breakdown. So I hope that was useful, and I tried not to make it complicated, I tried to just keep it nice and simple, uh, which is exactly what it should be. As always, thank you for listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you share this, can you please tag me on Instagram, because I love to see the feedback, see what you've thought of it, My Instagram handle is at underscore Chloe Longstaff. And if you have a chance when you've listened to this, can you please rate 
my podcast from the main screen of the podcast homepage. This is episode 19 and I've decided to take a break from the podcasts. So I'm going to do one more. That's my cat jingling now in the background. I'm going to do one more episode. Next <laughs> next week will be my final episode of this season. And then I'm going to take a little break. It's maybe about six weeks. Just so I can get some more inspiration and come back with some fresh content. I'm also away quite a lot in April. So I'm just having a few weeks off. So if you have any suggestions of what you would like my final episode to be on. Then please send them my way. And I'll be back next week for another episode.